Welcome to the Afro Gamer Podcast, where we discuss esports in Africa. From latest news to opinions, and we interview prominent personalities in the industry. My name is Ife. And I am Umar. All right, so um, what is esports? Because um, when you're speaking to a lot of people in Africa generally and you say esports, do you, you ask them what is esports? They'll be like, I don't know what esports is. So there's a lot of education. In my opinion, I think we are doing things that are esports, but we just don't know that it is titled esports. Mm, yeah. And um, I think because of where we come from and how things uh, yeah, how things have been, when you meet the average person and you talk about esports, the first thing that comes to his mind is that you're joking. True. As in you can't honestly be serious, especially if you're an adult. If it's a child, a teenager, somebody like that could come up with an idea like this. But then when they see an adult talking about um, people gaming competitively as a profession, it just sounds very stupid to them. Yes, yes. I've had so many conversations with people where they start laughing outright and then they now realize that, no, I'm serious. Then they now try to listen. Yeah, I've, I've had that conversation too. They, they, mm-hmm. they, a lot of adults think it is a um, kid's hobby. Something that kids mm-hmm. do just to pass every time. So when you say, oh, no, it's becoming a sport. You can make a living out of it. You can have a career out of it. They'll be like, are you serious? And uh, yeah. Okay, no, go on. And I always use this example of, you remember while growing up, if you are playing um, football, which in, in America is called soccer, while growing up, your parents will say, you are wasting your life. Yeah, but now it's a, it's a career path. Parents are ruling their kids during summer, during, you know, holidays for soccer camps or football camps. So I think that is what esports would, would get to, um, being that Africa as a continent is always, you know, being a last frontier to many new industries. There has to be a lot of educating about esports. Mm. I think even now, depending on the parents, it, they would still say football is a waste of your life. As in, how many millions of people are there in Nigeria or on the planet and everybody wants to be a pro player? Definitely not one third. As in, a minute number of that is actually going to make it. And from the get-go, they're already discouraging you. It's not possible. Just give up and focus on something that is reasonable, like become an accountant. With a banker or a doctor. Okay. Yeah, that's true. So for those yeah. go ahead. Was, okay, sorry. Um there was was just I think it was last weekend. No, two weekends ago. There's somebody I met and uh, we're talking about esports. Well I mentioned esports and I wanted to know more. And I described it to her and she goes and Googles it, which I was actually impressed. But then she comes back and says, okay, yeah, I saw it, and is it real? As the captain going, is it real, is it real, is it real? Then eventually she now says, it just looks like 419. <laughs> As if, and I was like, okay, which side did you go to? And I'm, I'm, this is sad to say, but I was like, okay, so um, which side did you go to? And she says, I was just one Nigerian side. And I, um, I don't know why, but most of the time when you see our content, regarding esports we don't we we don't really talk about the um 
profession per se, or the, as we don't talk about the benefits, the other benefits, all we talk about is the monetary value that could be derived from esports. And because of that, somebody that doesn't understand what esports is, and all you're saying is that you can make thousands or millions of naira or dollars from playing, their mind just automatically goes to this guy is trying to me or somebody else. Yes. Remember, people think it's a scam. Yeah, so for those. Yeah, I'm listening to you. Go ahead. You are saying something. Um, but then um, I've noticed a lot of other organizations across the world, they, yes, they say it's a profession and yes, they say you can make a lot of money from it, but they don't focus on that. They talk about camaraderie, they talk about um, team bonding, they talk about strategy, they, they talk about fun. As in, these are all things because fun actually makes money too. Yes. You go to the cinema, you're not deriving any value besides the fun. Yes, you, yeah, yeah, the movie could have some information that would make you interested in a particular topic or maybe you've always wanted to know more about certain things and then the movie touches those things or it's about those things. Yes, that's granted, but first and foremost, you're there for entertainment. True, true. True, entertainment sells. Yes, exactly. Then, so you could equally just say it's for the entertainment, push the entertainment value. But you're talking about um, you're talking about money, and you're not talking about the value that is being derived. As in, what value are you generating for people to be willing to spend that money? You're not saying it, so it does actually sound like a scam. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think if you start to sell or promote or educate esports from the angle of oh, you can make money from it, then that is where there's a problem. You mm. you need to start. Yeah, so you need to start from the whole fun, passion. Footballers are footballers today and they make so much money because they were passionate about the sport and not yes. and not um, going into it because of money. Mm, it's first and foremost, it's always about the sport. You can't even succeed unless you're passionate exactly. or you have talent and skill. There has to be something more than just the desire to make money. Exactly. And I don't know if you saw this post or I, I think it was an interview by Ninja where he was talking mm. about going into esports because of the money. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Yeah, and he was saying, he, 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 he mentioned different things. First and foremost, he, he was like, don't just quit everything and focus on esports. He said while he was starting his esports career, he was still going to school. He was still getting his grades. So if you still have school, if you still have a job, you should not just put it aside and focus on esports. Do the needful. So when you have built your career or your brand to the point that you know that your esports brand or career supersedes school or your career, your work, um, you know, what you do at work, then you can quit and all but don't just say okay i'm going ahead to quit my job i'm going ahead to stop school to face esports no but anybody that does it's like um okay so you have a business idea you have a nine to five uh but you're not happy you have dreams of doing all sorts of things and then you come up with this really great business idea which in at least in your mind it's really great and you decide, okay, you're going to quit your job and start the business. But then the thing is, there's no assurance that that business is going to succeed. And if it doesn't, what do you have to fall back on? You just quit. These, let's say you've been saving money from your salary. 
So it means your savings are gone. Mm-hmm. You have no job, you have no savings. As in, it's, there's no security. It always makes more sense to try and, no matter how long it takes, while you're running whatever it is you are running in the first place, uh, which is usually a nine-to-five, you find the time to create prototypes or samples or whatever of the product you're trying to sell until you find a market for that product. It doesn't make sense quitting everything else. And if you don't find a market for that product, then automatically it means that it is not required as nobody wants it. There's no demand. So you either go back to drawing board and come up with something else or find a job that you like. True, true. So for those who don't know what esports is, can you just give us a quick, you know, a crash course? What is what is esports? Well, I guess everybody has their own idea of what esports is, funny enough. But I think we would all agree that it's um, it's the act of, well, industry, a group of people coming together, playing video games competitively as a spectator event. Because um, it's not esports if you don't have people that are willing to watch it. Hmm. It's just you and your friends playing games. Okay. So that that is basically competitive gaming with an audience. Uh, well, for an audience. Okay, for it's an audience. audience doesn't necessarily, yeah, the audience doesn't necessarily have to be there like with online tournaments. They're not actually there with you and some of them don't even stream the matches. Okay. But then the fact that you have... Uh, you have fans that want to know what the results are. Uh, maybe you're not streaming, but then you're actually posting the videos after post-production. Okay, so... And that's for an audience. Okay, good. It doesn't have to be live or anything like that, but the end goal is that you're creating this content for people. Mm, okay, content creation for gaming. Hmm. Yeah, but then when we say content creation these days, it's you're an influencer. <laughs> that's why and that's why it comes to everybody's mind. I say content creation, even though we've been creating content like graphic artists, writers, but now today if you say you're a content creator, most of the time people are going to start So a little bit of education still needs to be done, even explaining what esports is. Mm, yes. Uh, yeah, but I'd have to say that. Okay. Because um I've met a couple of people that are Sometimes they say they're interested in esports or they're just starting is running esports. But all I hear is we want to run, we want to host competitions and we want to give prizes and that's it. Mm-hmm. I've seen competitions where, as in, they have big money. Well, the prizes are all big. Uh, maybe they have some guest appearances as well. The venue is really flashy. But then on the day of the event, after the event, there are no pictures of the tournament. The only pictures of the celebrities are showed up. Mm. There, there are no videos of the matches that went on. Uh, how do you get people to engage with a sport if, let's take football, for example. Um, you're talking about Arsenal playing, I don't know, Chelsea, and you lead up to a match, you're advertising it. Then match day, then no highlights, no lineup, no nothing. That's before and after. Then days after, you still don't have videos or pictures of the matches, of the players, or nothing. All you have is the coaches talking about how they did well, how they didn't do well, um, who they're going to change, who they're not going to change, maybe they're going to buy this guy. How is anybody supposed to relate with 
Chelsea or Arsenal if they don't know who the players are. They know nothing about the players. They they didn't see the games themselves to say, okay, this guy is actually a good player because it's we sit down at home and watch these matches and we talk like we we could play better than the players themselves. All of that is engagement that esports should have. But the fact that we're not um, putting out all that information and content means that we'll never have an active audience. And if we don't have an active audience, then we do not have esports. Mm. Yes, that, that, that is another angle to look at it from, which I'm sure a lot of people are not looking at it from. But yes, thank you very much for that. Mm. So, with that being said, does esports exist in Africa as a continent? Yes, I think yeah, it does. It does. In fact, not even I think it definitely does. It might not exist in every community, especially in the way it's supposed to be, but it does exist. Um, I uh, people keep on impressing me. I see more and more people streaming matches, and not because they were told to do so, but because they actually find it interesting. Sadly, the content they're streaming isn't African. But it shows that Africans are interested in esports, not just as the players themselves, but as um, consumers, spectators. Mm. And for a very long time, I hardly found people like that. It was usually just people that wanted to compete. There were very few people that actually wanted to watch. Anybody that is familiar with running events knows that you can't run an event and plan to pay for everything solely on ticket sales. Of course, not. it's not. It, it's not sustainable. It's not realistic. Anything could go wrong, even if you have the numbers. Now, the it's especially the case for esports. So you're going to be looking for sponsors. Now, you you can't just walk up to some company and tell them we have a thousand gamers, and so because of that, or two thousand, or a million, or whatever game, and because of that, give us your money and hold this event. How does your 1,000 or 1 million gamers help my business? Because anybody that is going into any kind of uh, partnership, they, it's a business. There needs to be some goal that is being achieved. So you creating all the, um, you having your esports events and looking for sponsors, if you cannot attract spectators to actually watch these things, then what are the ads for? Who are the ads for? Unless your tournament is featuring a thousand players, and a lot of the time, depending on the kind of business you're dealing with, they would want more than a hundred eyes on their um, on their brand. Mm. True, true. I personally think um, previously Africa as a continent just had a gaming culture, but with a few mm. enlightenments and few people getting to know esports and develop interest in it. Then, you know, the, the transition from just the gaming culture into esports as an industry has started to grow. Yes, I agree. But then even from the beginning, gaming culture, we, we would go to the arcades and watch people play. True, true. You just spend, as you would go, you spend all your money, but you only, you'd now watch everybody else play until either you have after wrong home because of lesson or because your parents would beat you because they're out late or whatever the reason is you would stay as long as you could not because you had the money to spend but because you enjoyed watching it yeah that's true because you always had it. yeah that's true because even the whole um local gaming centers some people didn't even know how to play but they'll be there watching others play so yeah it's um, go ahead 
I remember a couple of guys. They were they liked games, but they couldn't play. So they would actually pay other guys to keep on playing. Wow. So like um, like Shenmue. I remember um, Shenmue, the Japanese RPG. Now, since it's story based, people would sit down and watch this particular guy play the game. He was only, he brought it, so he was one that was playing. And everybody was watching. Now, eventually, he ran out of money and he was going to leave. And he said, "No, no, sit down, sit down. So we'll pay for it." As in, they were enjoying the gameplay, and so they wanted things to keep on going. Yeah. Yeah, I think that happened to me a few times. Um, that time was uh, there was an arcade center, <clears throat> and because I didn't know how to play at the beginning, I would go there, I would watch, and mm-hmm. until I decided, you know what, I'm actually going to develop my own skills to play. So I would go. That time it was coin based. You you put you slot in the coin mm-hmm. and you play. So instead of buying mm-hmm. one or two coins, I would buy ten coins at a go, and I would slot in. I would slot in and say, okay, you know what? If I don't make it to this next one, I would continue. And with that, even as much as I did not know how to play, there were people behind me watching. And when I've exhausted my coins, I would hang around and watch. So in other words, we did, we had that culture in us. I guess as at that time, it wasn't called esports. Just that we just had the culture. Mm. It was not just called esports. Mm. So it's funny how with the advancement of tech, instead of us advancing with it, we went backwards. Yes, I think that, that, that was the problem. We, we, we didn't advance with time because when you look at documentaries or you look at content of, um, what's it called, of, of esports stories, even DreamHack, and they tell you, oh, you know, we went as far back as 1992, 1990, this, actually remember that, oh, you know, we're gaming in Africa at that time. I, you know, I was playing Atari, I was playing, you know, Sega Mega Drives, and so on and so yep. forth. So we we actually we did not take class at all. Exactly. Using any console that came out or any platform for gaming that came out, there was somebody in your neighborhood that had. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's. So where where do you think we went wrong as a continent that now we are now struggling to get ourselves out into the esports industry? Yeah. Well, I think Africa has had a lot of strife, at least compared to other continents. So, um, I think our focus was just on other things. So, do you think our different economies' leadership played a role in it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because as much as... Okay, now now that esports is an industry, uh, you can be a professional, things are different. But then, if you think back, during a period where it wasn't a profession and it was just people doing these things for fun, and even the prize money, it's not as if if he had prize money at all, would just be enough for you to go to process fast food joints and buy food for yourself and your friends, and that's it, it's gone. But then, how do I put it? For a person that three square meals is hard at home, mm-hmm. does it really make sense for you to go out with any spare change that you can find to game in, a, in an arcade? No, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, it's That's like kind of where, but at least uh, that's why I feel. A lot of people just didn't have things easy. Okay. They never had pocket money. Um, in fact, pocket money is like is an unknown concept in a lot of households, except well, until when they get to secondary school. And that's just because they're not at home anymore. But the idea is, if you're at home, I don't need to give you money because I'm feeding you. You have shelter. I give you clothes. So just go play outside or something. Come back. So I think all those things um, affected the uh, affected gaming culture. Yeah. So it, it was it was affected by social class. 
Well, uh, not just social class, even economy. Mm. Like I said, if, if you didn't have the spare change, whether you like it or not, you can't go to the arcade. All you can do is go and watch. But then if the number of people that actually play in the arcades are reducing and you are only going to watch, then who are you going to watch? There's no way of being. Mm. Oh, wow. So and eventually more and more people start owning consoles. So they... Stop going to the arcades. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So and, and even the arcades, they didn't really have a, they didn't have wide selection of yeah. Like they could open, they could open and have a lot, but then they were not keeping up with times. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, um, when everybody buys a console, they buy a console with the bundle, and then the bundles would come out with the most popular game at the time. So that kid now with the console and the popular game, once he finishes it, all you would have to do is borrow it to a friend and get any other game that the friend has, because everybody wants to try the new game. So with that, let's say uh, when Street Fighter 2 Turbo came out, with Street Fighter 2 Turbo, he probably borrowed, as in he probably got to play like 10 or 15 other games just by lending it out. Mm. Games that, uh, so he was getting to play these games faster than the arcades were we're, ro- them. we're rolling out Providing. the, yeah. So, less and less reasons for you to go to the arcade. More and more reasons for you to game at home at your friend's place. Okay, so, um, of recent, we found out that different communities in Africa came together, esports communities, and they um, called themselves the African esports, you know, group or they wanted they, they wanted to host the African esports community. What do you think about that? Yeah, well at the time it was like uh, well I was like um, it's about time. I was actually really impressed because it was you know how everybody sits down in their bubble and thinks that they're the only ones that care about a particular thing or the only ones that are doing something about a situation. So it was cool to see that everybody left their bubble and actually came out and said, okay, you know what, let's do this thing together. And uh, what was even more surprising was that every country had groups, not one group, not two groups, as in they had several groups that were all trying to do this, um, that were trying to push esports in their own different ways. I mean, it was impressive. Okay, you said as at that time, what, what has changed now? It was supposed to hold in August and it never did. And then uh, I think uh, there was talk about it being moved and still nothing. So at this point, we can safely say that it's not happening again this year. Oh, definitely. Uh, and a lot of people were excited when it was announced. A lot of people were excited because there was a lot of, apart from the fact that something that big had happened in the um, in Africa, especially since a lot of esports and gaming related things usually don't leave South Africa. So it was cool that countries from every part of Africa were trying to get in on the action. So everybody's hopes were high. But the fact that it never happened means that um, we trusted, as in we put, we, we put our trust in this and it didn't work out. And what's the assurance that it's going to happen? That it's going to occur next year. And I'm not sure, but I don't think there was any official statement saying that it was even going to hold, mm. which also doesn't help. Because whether you like it or not, if you're trying to get people to do something, you need to keep them in the loop. They need to know what's going on. If you know you're not going to be able to deliver, let them know ahead of time. And because the more disappointment they feel, the harder it is they're going to be to support you. So I don't know how much damage has been done, but I'm looking forward to next year. Hopefully everything will work out. Great. Yeah, in my own, in my own opinion, uh, like you said, initially I thought it was a fantastic idea. Everyone recognizing that, you know, they were not in the journey alone. And it was a mm. call to action of, oh, hey, let's all come together. Let's um, Let's 
put a statement as to esports existing in Africa and not just South Africa because it seems like that's the misconception of you know every other player in the esports industry in the Western world. All they think is esports exist only in South Africa or maybe in northern part of Africa. So it was it was it was it was I agree to an extent it's infrastructure. Yeah. But still. Yeah so I think I think it was the concept was nice but I think where they failed was execution. Um from <laughs> from what I always learned is when you're going into something new you start gradually drops of water turns into you know a pool not a pool of water turning into something else so yeah, so basically you're saying that they hit the ground running exactly it was fine everyone had their own communities but we we're already thinking in the in the light of um dream hack yeah, yeah, so i think that was why you, you didn't we, they didn't start from step one to they wanted to start from step seven to get to step ten so what happens to step one to six you know so you know another thing i noticed that they were doing was they started with they were already suggesting more than one titles up to seven or ten titles if you look at okay yes uh, that was a problem yeah so if you look at even case studies the likes of dreamhack even different esports organizations i'm studying an organization called play vs I know I've spoken to you about it that they focus on high school um, esports tournaments and league. They have just three titles on their platform, mm. just three titles. So that I think that's something they should have done. The Africa Esports Tournament or the Africa Esports Cup. They should have just done two titles. Maybe everyone um, everyone loves football. You start with football, and then depending mm. depending on which other title is popular, maybe a combat game. Fine, people who don't play those two may not be happy, but it's a gradual process. Not having five mm. titles, seven titles, there is no way you are going to get it right. So I think that was another thing that, that really affected them. Uh, you know, the problem is whenever you get a group of people together, everybody wants representation. And from the get-go, AC wasn't saying, let's come together to hold African FIFA Championship. What they said is an African esports championship. So everybody just felt that the popular games in their countries would be represented, which couldn't have happened. There's some games that maybe just two or three countries play. There's some games that maybe, okay, like football. When you tell a Nigerian that PES is popular in other countries or in some other countries, they'll, uh, they, they, they'll, tell, they'll swear you're lying. Because here it's mostly FIFA, you see. Mm -hmm. But that's just because, uh, just because you guys do a particular thing at home doesn't necessarily mean that everybody else does that same thing where they come from. Exactly. PS wouldn't be in business if it was that bad. Mm -hmm. As in Konami would have scrapped the franchise a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. So, so going into the new year, what would you advise the AEC to do? If, if you were part of the advisory board, if they came to you and said, hey, we're planning for 2020, what would be your suggestion to them to help them achieve that statement they are trying to make of putting Africa into, um, you know, the limelight of the esports industry? I think they, um, they need a lot more structure and they need to reduce the number of games. Okay. In fact, maybe have only two genres, uh, the sports game, or just stick to one genre and then have the popular games in that genre. Like if it's only football, then you have PS and FIFA. It's easier to handle and they're both similar, so the rules shouldn't out of bed. Uh, or if you're doing genres, maybe fighting games and football. So you have one football game or one fighting game. 
But the problem with all of that is for the people that are looking at the monetary value that esports represents, fighting games and football games are not at the top of the list. Hmm. The most popular esports are MOBAs, League of Legends, Dota, then first person shooters, uh, CSGO, Overwatch. Yeah, but are those, those games are not as popular as. I don't know, I'm just assuming. They are not as popular as the football or combat game in Africa. Overwatch, yes, I agree a hundred percent that very few of our guys played, but we do have people that played. Um, I got Overwatch the year it came out. A lot of my friends got Overwatch the year it came out. We actually had a team, and we used to we had fun playing together for a while. Now um, I know some other people who are like acquaintances, and they also did similar things with Overwatch. If we had taken it seriously since then to now, we, we could have built a better community. I mean, we, we could have built a community because right now I can say we don't have an Overwatch community. No, I don't. Because I don't think so. A bunch of people scattered around. Yeah. But, um, and the same thing applies to the others. The League of Legends. I've met people that say they play, but I can count the number of teams on my hands. Um, <laughs> Dota, the same thing. CSGO, the same. So it's not as if people don't play, but we haven't even tried to build a community. And without that community, nobody, you can't really run anything. It's just a lot of money, a lot of resources going into something that people are not paying attention to. Because it's not just about the players, it's also about people wanting to watch it. But then how people watch something that they know nothing about. Okay, that, that is... um. That, that, is, that is very, very interesting. Okay, so let's just round up. Um, Google Stadia, a device Google decided to jump into the whole gaming industry for um, cloud gaming. And they launched on the 20th of November, if I'm not mistaken. And so far, there have been more negative reviews than, um, you know, positive reviews. What do you think about the Google Stadia? Uh, well, I remember the day they announced it, we actually talked about it. And we talked about it a couple of times after that. From the beginning, I always thought the stadia wasn't made for 70% of the world. Because the um, internet, I'm, I can't remember the numbers are right, but that's the internet in the world that's required to play those games. How many African countries? And Africa is a continent. It's not one, one, two, three countries. And uh, if you look at other uh, countries as well, South America, in fact, even in the major countries like in the US, I don't think it's everybody that has that pays for that kind of internet. True. So my issues, as I already had issues with it from the get go, because of that. But then I love the idea of cloud gaming, the uh, not requiring a lot of hardware, being able to play on the go on any devices. That to me is a dream. But the reality is you need certain infrastructure in place for you to benefit from it. So it's a good idea. It's just not made for most of us. Then since it came out, uh, well, no, not even since it came out, leading up to release, the closer we got, I realized that a lot of uh, people that had were really interested in it started losing a lot of steam. And even Google seemed to lose steam because their ads started reducing. In the beginning, they did something like a Nintendo Direct, you know, where they show their upcoming games and stuff. So um, I think after that first announcement, everybody felt that we would see more of things like that leading up to release. I think when you saw one or two after. Mm. Um, so even marketing-wise, it wasn't really... They dropped the ball. Then uh, pre-orders... They messed up there. A lot of people didn't get their 
Uh, they didn't get the stadia until after the launch date. Then there was the issue of games as well. About 40 games were announced for it initially. And out of those 40, uh, I think it was a week to release or two weeks to release, they announced that only 12 will be available at launch. Now, as if that wasn't disappointing enough, uh, looking at the list of games, most of them, if not, uh, I think all of them except for, uh, is it Cliff or Cliff Cliff? I can't remember the name, but I think there was just one or two games there on that list that were actually new games. All the rest were games that had come out in 2019 or 2018 or even before then. So you want us to spend money on this device, which you call the Netflix of gaming, but then it's not really like Netflix because you still have to buy the individual games on like Netflix where you pay for a subscription and you have access to the whole library. Exactly. So that, that was already disappointing. Then you now tell us that the only games that are going to be available for us to buy are games that we've probably bought and played before. So um, I understand why fans were, why, why things were turning really negative. But uh, Google tried to turn things around by, because, okay, they announced 12 games and then they said um, it should, um, by the end of 2019, they have released, I think, 20 or 25. So that's, oh, oh wait. Um, yeah, well, they just said a certain number. Now, <clears throat> realizing that fans were not happy with the launch title, number of launch titles, somehow they were able to get the, uh, more developers, most of them, the games that were going to come out before next year, to just release at launch as well. So I think they added, was it 14 more? I can't remember now. But I mean, they added more, which, again, games that we had played before, but, well, most of them were games that we had played before. But uh, there are a few new titles, like um, Football Manager 2020 launched on Steam the same day. Uh, yeah, I think it launched on Steam the same day, launched, uh, the same day the uh, Stadia launched. There was another game. Uh, I think there were two games I noticed on the additional list that they dropped. That I said, okay, these are new, when the rest were games that played again. Huh. Now, next year, okay, so uh, some of the new games are coming to a stadia, mostly Ubisoft games, at least off the top of my head. I know there's Baldur's Gate, uh, but that probably won't come for a long while. But uh, the ones that we're expecting were the Ubisoft games, and all of them were postponed. That's uh, Watch Dogs, is it Legion? And I think it's Watch Dogs Legion, I can't remember what the, but the new, uh, the upcoming uh, Watch Dogs game. Okay, uh, Gods and Monsters, I think that was always going to come out. But anyway, there are a couple of uh, Ubisoft games that were supposed to come out and all of them have been postponed. So even the ones that were supposed to come out, I think around March or April next year, they've been pushed further back. There are just less and less reasons for you to be excited about Stadia right now. Hmm. Okay, yes, yes. That's good. Um, with that being said, I think we're out of time. So we'll um, continue next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Afro Gamer. You can catch us on our social media channels at The Afro Gamer on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time.